It's great just to have sung that song, given the reading tonight, uh, because I'm sure this is exactly, well, that was exactly what Paul said when he spoke in the Areopagus. Let's read from Acts chapter 17, uh, verses 16 through to 34. Acts 17. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicureans and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, He seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Hi everyone, my name's Jason, and this is great to be here. All of us together, pausing in the week, We've been singing these songs like to praise Jesus. We look to him, want to get to know Jesus better. And we've had, like, it's been good times recently, yesterday. 
engagement party. How fun was that, Dom and Lisa? Congratulations, this is exciting. <laughs> It was very fun. And then later in that day, there was a women's event. At night, there was a men's. And you just see, like, God is just gathering us all together, stirring in, stirring in our hearts, building us up as his people. And it's just so great to see that he's on the move and, like, he's changing us and uh, spurring us on. And we want him to move in us tonight. We want him to come and just stir in us as his people. So let's call out to God and pray that he works in us as we look at this passage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can meet together. We pray, like in this song earlier, we pray, God, you'll do an awakening, Lord, in our hearts. Lord, as we look to you, as we gaze upon you and who you are and why you do things, Lord, we pray that you encourage us and build us up. And we pray that you'll do our beautiful things in our lives. So we pray, stir your spirit in us, Lord, shape us and mold us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's times in life we're at a crossroads when we come up to a point, we've been heading this direction and then all of a sudden there's a fork and we go this way and we go that way and there different chapters as one ends like and the next one begins, we get this fork, it's like these decisions that we're going to make, you know, you walk, you're down the shops, like you're walking in, am I going fruit oil or chocolate oil, you know what I'm talking about, it's like this, this fork in the road, this crossroads and we think about these things, but no, we have like real challenges. Maybe you finish your study and you're about to start work and you're going to make decisions that are going to change where you live and impact your life in the future. What about if you find out about some health problem that you have and the doctor's like, you have to change things in your life or it's going to impact you for decades to come. And we come to these points where there's this fork in the road. Can you picture in your mind a, a fork in the road in your life? Can you picture uh, a time where you're at this crossroads to go one way or another? Well, this passage, this city, um, they're going to be at a crossroads. They're like going along in the way that they live and do things. They're going to hear this news about Jesus. They're at at this crossroads. We're going to look at how they're going to respond as they hear this message uh, tonight in this passage. Or what about for us here? Maybe coming here tonight, you're at a crossroads. Maybe... Someone invited you here and they, you're, you're come along and say, I'm not really sure what this is about. How's this going to be? And, and you're thinking, I'm hearing a bit about Jesus. I don't know what to do with him. I don't know what I think about him yet. And you're at this crossroads. Or maybe if you, you follow Jesus, you pursue him with your heart and, it's like, you, and you're like, I'm following him. I could turn this way and I'm, I'm going to keep going with him. What about for other people? Maybe for you, you're thinking, my walk with Jesus is not what I want it to be. And so you're looking at the moment like in your life and your walk with him, you're at a crossroads and where are you going to go? Towards him, away from him. And in our lives, we have these times when we're at these crossroads and we'll see this city and how they respond uh, when they hear this message. Well, Paul is, he's on this journey, he's like on this mission tour and he's been to these different cities, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, and he ends up in Athens and Athens, as in Greece, and where the Olympics began, a famous place, this, uh, this city ends up in. And it's famous for a reason where this is a place where they debate ideas. This is a place where they talk about philosophy, and they get down, they like talk deep, and they love new ideas, they love new things, and they want to talk about it, and they want to debate it. And so Paul's like coming into this uh, situation. And so he's in this city. He's been unsettled by what he saw, and verse 16, it says he was 
greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. Now, this city's got all, you know, all the Greek gods and all, there's all these altars and there's all these idols like, you know, stone, stone idols that people are looking at and worshipping and giving to. And Paul's there proclaiming Jesus and they called him, verse 8, and they called him a babbler. And I guess that's not a positive thing. He's a babbler. <laughs> what is this guy going on about? And um, they say he seems to be advocating foreign gods because he starts preaching about Jesus and how Jesus rose again. And so there's this confusion about him, about Paul, and about the message that he brings to them. And, but they take Paul to the Areopagus. And this is like this amphitheater where people come to talk about philosophy and share their thoughts. And verse 19 says, says this, they say, May we know, this is a people to Paul, may we know what this teaching is that you are presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. Maybe people at uni or work or whatever you thought, you know, I hear saying strange ideas. Like they're hearing him speak, and it's like, it sounds strange what you're speaking to us. But they're hungry for this new topic. And it's sort of got this heckle for the people there. It's like verse 21, they spend their time doing nothing but talking and listening to the latest ideas. Like, are you guys going to work? You're just talking about ideas all the time. And... Um, so verse 24. So, oh, and so, yeah, we keep on going in this passage. When the apostles spoke um, to the Jewish people, they used one sort of structure in the way they spoke. You remember that? They use a whole bunch of Old Testament quotes, don't they, when they're talking to the Jews. And then they'll use that to, try, to prove that Jesus is the promised Messiah and this like, sort of the argument they use. He's risen again and he's the Lord. And that's the style they use, talking to the Jews. And he does it a bit differently when he talks to the non-Jews. And this, this is where he is in, in Greece there in Athens. Let's have a look at how he does it when he shares about Jesus with people with no background uh, with, with the Bible. So verse 22, Paul starts off, People of Athens... I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So Paul's like seeing all these idols all around. He see, sees one with this line, to an unknown God. It's like they've got, got this, you know, the, the spare one. It's like, what if there is another God? We better put one down there just in case we haven't found out about him yet. It's like to this unknown God. So Paul says, to that unknown God, this is what I'm going to proclaim to you about this one who's unknown. Verse 24, he starts it off. says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Well, Paul sees their idols and he's, he's saying to them, you know, you don't create God's house, he creates you. Like you don't make the place where God comes to live. It's like, oh, you made a really cool house for me, I'm going to come and live in your little house. No, no God creates them. This is, this is what it's saying. And verse 25, it says, and he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything, rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. See, the God, God is not made by like, people with like, their, their hammers and chisels and rocks. And God doesn't need people. God is self-sufficient. 
He doesn't need us, but we need him. He give, even gives them breath. This is like the message it's saying. He gives breath to these people. Now, this whole thing would have been quite radical for the Epicureans. You know, they believe that everything happens by chance, you know. And Paul is going to be, going to be telling them that God is at work through the history that's going on. And the Stoics believe that God is distant, that he is far off and impersonal. And in verse 27 talks about how God is not far from us, but actually God is near. And that these things have been blowing, blowing their minds. I was like, what is going on here? What are you talking about? And it's interesting to think, imagine at the time they're thinking, could, could the, this news of Jesus advance, you know, with, with all these philosophies of the Epicureans and the Stoics? Could it like grow in that kind of setting? Or what about when modernism came with science and reason? Like, will it survive with science and re- reason? Or what about later on with postmodernism and post-truth? Same question. In that kind of setting, could people be transformed by Jesus? What about for us now? Post-Christian, secular Australia. Could the, this news of Jesus connect with with people in this setting and grow and go forward? Now, this, these are some of the questions. And same, same with this, these philosophers. Is it going to work in their hearts? What is God going to do in these people? Well, the passage so far talks about who God is and what he does. And Paul will go on to tell them why God does things. Verse 27 says this, God did this as in made them, and set where they would live, so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. So seeking, talking about pursuing God, chasing after him. God made them. God made every human, every person, so they would seek God and be near him and close to him. So the creating, self-sufficient God... The one who assigns the places where people live, he did all of that so they would know him and be near him and reach out to him. We live in a beautiful region. There's so many awesome places. Love Tomorrow I'll be off for a surf somewhere down the coast. We just live in such a beautiful area. And I don't know about you, but there's times where I just look at the amazing things and I think, oh man, this is so impressive. And, it, and I just look at it and think, there is more to life than just physically what I can see in front of me. Or you like lie down on the ground when you're out in the country and you look up at the stars. It's so vast and it's massive. And I look at it and I just feel there is, there's more to life than just what we can see. And there's, there's something more out there. There's purpose in this life. And, and I want to know what that is. There is a spiritual dimension and I just have this sense. Did you guys have that same thing? Like when you see like, like the body and how intricate and detailed and you just see, oh, there's some design or there's some greater purpose. Well, this passage tells us what that greater purpose is. There is someone out there and he made us to seek him. He made us so that we could know him. See, the creator God, the God is, is happy by himself He's self-sufficient. He made us, but he made us to, to draw us close so that we'd seek him and be friends with him. And you know, you're right to seek God. You're right to, like, to come tonight. You, you come here because you think Jesus is special. 
You think Jesus is so impressive and you sing about him and you talk about him with your friends and God has put this DNA in our, in our hearts for everyone to seek the one who made them. There's a space in our heart that wants to pursue the creator, the one who made us and knows us. See, maybe, you know, on your street or maybe at uni or maybe at work, maybe you feel alone there. You feel by yourself like you're on some different journey. But look at the people around here. You're not alone. We, we, we gather here together. And we gather here to seek after God who created us and wants to know us so that we can near, be near him and to be close to him. Now the people in this passage, they were made to seek God, but instead they sought other things. They'd all the, Paul noticed all the, all the idols they had all the altars to the different gods. And verse 30 says, Now he, God, commands all people everywhere to repent. Now the word repent means to redirect. So I'm talking about going one way and then turning around to go a completely different direction. Now, the people in Athens, they're like down this road. They're following all these different gods, covering all these different situations and places and people. And they're down this road, and the challenge is, will they turn around and follow this Jesus who was raised to life and is so impressive? And this is their challenge. This is their call from God. Turn around to the one who made you. Turn around to the one who created you. But notice it's not just saying he, like, he called them. It's, it's more than that, isn't it? It says God commanded them. See, God's not just inviting them, hey, come on back. No, the God who made us all is calling us, hey, return to me. Commanding, like, come to me. He's calling the people back then, come to me. And he's like saying the same thing now. He's commanding, come back. And there is an urgency to this. Verse 31, For he said a day, when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. That's Jesus will come back as judge. And he's given us proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. What's saying here is, you know, Jesus died like, to rescue and save. But he, he was raised to life. And this shows that we're all going to be raised to life. And we're all going to stand before this Jesus and give an account to our lives. And this is going to be the big reveal not the, big, not the reveal of like the Renault that we just finished, but the reveal of, hey, this is my life. These are the things that I've lived for. These are the things that I've loved. These are the things that I've chased after and pursued. And it's going to be the big reveal, and God's going to see all those things in front of us. And this is sobering. Sobering, it brings us an urgency, knowing that we'll meet Jesus, the judge. And so the message comes, redirect Redirect now and live for God. Now the Thessalonians, a few, two cities before Paul was in Athens, they did just that. And when Paul was in Thess Thessalonica, in chapter 17, verse 3, when Paul was there, it said, he's explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. And he said, this Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah. And there was a radical change in those people. Later in 1 Thessalonians, 
1 verse 9 and 10, it says about that, that place, it said, they turned from idols to serve the living and true God. So they followed all these gods and they turned around and they followed after Jesus. They turned to live for him. Over these last weeks, there's been so many fires around Australia. And you see the footage, the frightening footage of these lines of fire just moving across whole regions. And then you capture a, vid- a video of like a, a vehicle moving down a road, but then you'll see all the, all the smoke and then the fire in front. And as they're going down towards that road, as they go, get closer, they see the wall ahead, and, and it's obvious, like, you need to turn around. You can't keep going down that way. There is a fire down that way. And so as long as they need to turn around, they're going towards this thing and they need to turn around. And this is, this is a message in, in this passage. It's not, not about fires, but it's like, like in Athens, that they're going towards other things, other gods, other idols, and they're called to turn around. They're called to redirect. And the message for us is the same today. The message from God to us this night is redirect. Turn around, can't go to him. You know, and this is classic in this passage because sometimes it's not always clear. Oh, how are we going to apply this passage? What does it mean for us today? Well, it tells us straight here, repent. Turn from going that way and turn around and go this way toward Jesus. Seek God and live for him. Now, in your growth groups this week and over coffees, I just want to encourage you to ask the questions about this. You know, in Athens, they fought after these gods and that. What are the mini gods that you chase after? You know, as you have coffee with some this week, what are the things that I love and I live for that it's not Jesus that I put before Jesus, which I make more important than Jesus? And just share and be honest like with each other. What are the things that you love more than him? that you worship these many gods that you chase after and pursue. Well, as his message was proclaimed, like verse 32 and 34, like some people mocked the message, some called them babblers, but you know, God changed people's lives like leaders of the time at this place and he transformed them, these great thinkers, and he saved people. And he turned them round as they sought after him. Now the people back then, they worship, and it's not different to us now. We worship all different things. We worship, you know, social media. We worship money. We worship good health. We worship so many different things. And the problem is some, you know, a bunch of these, they're actually good things. They're not, there's not a problem with them. You know, like family, friends, and we can just value them so high above Jesus. That's where it goes wrong. It's like it becomes a misdirected worship when we love something God never promised for us. And it's like a misdirected worship. You know, like that we would think in our minds we can have perfect relationships or when we hold up approval by others and just value it above everything else. And they can become mini gods and it's like they go up there and Jesus is down here and these other things are up there. Let's just think about one possible thing that we could 
raise up in our thinking. It's the idea of smooth sailing, the mini-god of smooth sailing, you know, trying to live in a way where everything's just fine, where there's no big problems, where you shape the situations around you so it's just cool, you know, like smooth sailing. And if anything comes up to the sides, it's going to threaten your smooth sailing. It's like squash them down, like push them away. Hey, I want this life of smooth sailing. I can see that in myself sometimes. Just want this life that goes along smooth. But it's like, God never promises that. And you know, this idea, it's not really going to work, is it? There's times where life is not smooth. There's times when life is difficult and challenging. And it means that this is not a good mini-God to follow after, smooth, smooth sailing, because it doesn't work. Life is messy. Life is complex. It just doesn't work. Now, maybe this could be an obstacle for us as a church moving forward, like where we want to see church to be smooth sailing. And we've got in our minds like church should be smooth sailing. There should be no problems. And maybe it hinders us from seeing what God wants to do in us. You know, before heaven, life is messy. Church is messy. And we were never promised smooth sailing, were we? And we look at the book of Acts. Oh, man, you look what goes on in the early church. Oh, man, what are they doing? Like Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to the leaders and the Holy Spirit. Chapter 6, there's older leaders, older ladies, sorry, not receiving food. Just the other week, some people are demanding circumcision where they didn't need that. And it's messy and it's broken. This is the church. The church was not smooth sailing then and the church will not be smooth sailing now. You know, sure, things that happen, they're going to grieve us. They're going to hurt us. They're going to sadden us. But God never promised smooth sailing in the church. But we are promised that God is here. We are promised that God is stronger and he is with us and he will carry us forward. That is what we are promised. We're not promised smooth saying. We're promised that God is strong and he will lead us through and he will take us forward. God is with us. He's with us always. And what about in everyday life? God doesn't ask for smooth sailing in your life. He doesn't ask for smooth sailing in your life. He asks for Jesus-focused, godly sailing in whatever messy, complex things happen around you. That's what he asks for of us. Not the perfect life, but that's, that we cling to Jesus and love him and honour him, whatever's happening in our lives. So let, let us leave behind the mini-God, the mini-God of smooth sailing. Let us seek God and honour him, our awesome God, and rescuer. Some of you know, so I keep using this line, mini-gods. Because there's a problem with these gods because they're, they're broken and they fail us. Like, you know, the tech things we have or the car we might want or the house we dream about, you know, they get old and they break and they're, they're junk gods, junk mini-gods. And they're going to be in the tip later. They're not very good gods. They're small and they're too small. They're too small to live for. 
And we can worship these little mini gods, but they'll fade out. Or we can worship the one true awesome God who created us and created the world. We can worship the saviour of our souls, the hope of the world, and Japto, the God of comfort and peace. This is our joy. Like We can serve these mini broken gods that won't last, or we can serve the God who made the world and is for you and loves you. This challenge in this passage is put those mini gods in their place because they are too small. You have a greater God to walk with and know and seek. So seek and follow your mighty creator who is greater than everything else. And this week, as you think about, oh, how, how are we going to do this? I encourage you to take the time to like pray and seek God and, and name the mini gods in your life. Name them, write, write a list about them, talk to your friends, confess it, and get them to pray for you. Just lay, write a list, Lord, and, and just be wary and watch out for those. And then put them in their place and redirect. Redirect back to Jesus, the awesome, powerful, true God. And then in his power, commit to seek the creator and saving God. Now, I don't know if you're someone who follows Jesus. I know in a, lot of, a whole bunch of things in life, you're going forward and you are living for Jesus. You are worshipping. You're serving him. You're, you're living for him with your heart. But then every now and then, you're just like just dabbling back in this other thing. And you, you just go back to this mini God over here. He's calling us, redirect. Leave that back there. You redirect. Commit yourself to loving and living for the creator, saving God. In this passage, Paul sees the idols and the altars, like we can see those things in our culture, the mini-gods in our culture. And Paul declares that who God is, like he's the creator, he's the sustainer, he's self-sufficient, he raised Jesus to life, he's sending Jesus back as the judge, and he's calling us to repent and to redirect. This is the message in this passage. So as we hear this, we're all at this crossroads. What do we do with this Jesus and this call to redirect? Maybe for you, if you're coming here and you're just finding out about Jesus, I just encourage you, keep on seeking after him. Like the person you came with, you just ask them questions, what Tell me more about this, Jesus. How did he change your life? Like, why do you follow him? And as a church, you know, we have uh, groups. Of, there's a group called Alpha, and we get together. We have this meal, and you get together. It's a time to explore and ask questions. Like, in a group, you eat some food together, ultra relaxed. And it's a time where you watch this clip about uh, someone doing a talk. You know, like, who is Jesus? Why did he die on the cross? You know, that at the heart of what it is to be a Christian. I just want to, if you're seeking Jesus, I want to invite you to come. Talk, you know, talk to Jamie or Amanda or myself and talk about how you can join one of those groups to find out about this Jesus. Because you know you're at this crossroads, you're looking at Jesus. Am I, I going to go towards Jesus or away from him? And, and as you make that choice at this crossroads, make the choice when you've heard. Make the choice when you've had it laid out before you, this awesome Jesus who is so impressive. What about for the rest of us? In this crossroads hearing Jesus tonight, 
We could go down this path like where we dip a little bit back in the mini gods over here or we can live a life where we turn back to Jesus and seek him. And you know, in the power of the Holy Spirit, let us seek God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can meet up. We thank you that you did make the world and you made us and you made it, Lord, in our hearts, this desire to seek after you, the one who made us. And Lord, we pray that you're stirring us, God. Pray just be revealing in us, Lord, what many gods we go back to or we pursue or put before you, Lord. And Lord, give us the courage and strength to leave them behind and pursue after Jesus. So Lord, fill us with your spirit to pursue you. Lord, give us urgency, we pray, and give us your power and strength. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.